Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Gimme the Creeps with Abby and Daniela. Hey, guys. Daniela is still slightly under the weather, but lucky for her, it is my turn anyway this week. Um, as we pick back up on where we left off, we had some holidays uh pass us by thanksgiving halloween and now christmas is on its way and before you know it this year will be over yep. i'll have you know that i have been terrified to sleep the last few nights why i started taking edibles again and they have not greeted me nicely oh um, because I was, I was getting okay sleep after a while. And then I, I remembered how great my sleep used to be. So I took a higher dosage than usual. And now I feel very paranoid, but you know what, to be fair, I told you this before I even started taking those again, that I felt like things were moving around in the house at night and only specifically after Hunter fell asleep. So now I just sound like I'm insane. Uh, that is fucking haunted as shit. It feels very, like, real. Like, it's not outside. I Because I can tell the difference between all the leaves and stuff blowing outside and, like, when something's specifically on the counter moving. And one time I had um, some chocolate-covered almonds that I left on the little entertainment center thing. And I straight up heard them moving inside the box like someone was, like, digging in them. Are you, do you have mice? like for a second like for a second no and that's another thing I told my parents like they were asking me if we have things in the attic and we haven't gone up there um but like in the house there's no tr like traces that there are mice or anything and the almonds were literally nearby where I was so I knew that that's what it was and but my dad asked the same thing he's like it's probably squirrels in the attic or something and I was like no I swear it's like in the room I'm in like I can specifically point out when I hear something um, what it was or what it might have been because it sounds like it. It's not like footsteps or something so vague that it could be anything. Uh -huh. So it was that's, freaking me out. Yeah, that's a little <laughs> bit scary. Maybe uh, tone it down on the edibles. <laughs> Probably so because, I mean, before I was feeling weird about it and you know I'm never like that. So whenever I, I open to, up to you about it, like I'm feeling scared at night. Um, It was before I started taking that and this, it's just totally gone like – off the rails now at <laughs> nighttime mm. I hear everything I'm like Hunter wake up please like literally he's snoring and I wake him up because I'm scared <laughs> I swear someone's in here I said and he's like no go to bed <laughs> with his eyes closed <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I said don't leave me out here alone awake Jesus one yeah. time I was so scared I didn't even want to reach for my phone that was on the floor oh my god that's what happened to me <laughs> Whenever I read that, dear David, <laughs> I was trapped under the blanket. No, so I couldn't move. Exactly. And that I was like, this is literally payback for every time I called somebody else a chicken, especially Daniela. Especially me. Just paralyzed with fear until the sun comes up <laughs> when it's safe again. <laughs> the first Anyways. sight of morning light. Yeah, exactly. Thank God it's day. <laughs> so, to put it simply, today we're going to talk about an I Survived episode that really stuck with me. So, I rewatched it, typed it up, and you're welcome. We're, it's an easy day. 
We know they all come out of it, you know, I mean, traumatized and severely emotionally disturbed, disturbed, but they are alive and we can all rest easy knowing that. Without further ado, this is, I believe, season five, episode eight of I Survived with three individuals named Albert, Matt, and Christy. So starting with Albert, I uh, I typed it up in the format where their complete story is going to finish before we move on to the next um, instead of giving the beginning of each story and then moving on to the middle of each story and yada yada. So mm-hmm. here we go. So Albert had just enlisted in the armed forces as a paratrooper. He befriends someone named Kenneth Ty and um, yeah, so they, it's a pretty wild story. So an unstable man in the military named Kenneth Ty starts playing a deadly game seemingly to get a thrill from the danger. And that happens. I'm not sure if it was New Year's or New York, like the day before, because they're on their way to a party for New Year's. So I don't know all the details and I don't remember what year this happened, but we're just going to pretend like I said, if not, we can look it up. But Kenneth Ty had brought Albert out for target practice. Um, Albert is 17 years old and invited to a New Year's party by Ty. He mentioned that he met Ty not long after enlisting, but before he knew it, they were good friends. So this party should be fun, right? Well, they meet up at the barracks before heading out to get ready for the party. And Ty says that he ordered a new gun and wants to try it out. It's a survivor rifle. Albert is kind of confused and is like, but what about the party? Um, but they go anyway. And I guess he's he brings along his gun anyway. Um, so that's weird. Yeah, that's already weird. It's like, okay, you're an enthusiast, but we're we're doing something else. And a party is never a good place to bring a gun. So um, he starts feeling kind of weird about it. Albert does. He's 17, so he probably doesn't want to be the guy to be like, come on, put it away. We don't need to... You, nobody wants to be that person, to, right. the party pooper of the group or whatever. So, But from what I'm understanding, it's it's just the two of them. And if they're such good friends, he should have been able to be like put that away. We're not bringing that, but he didn't. So he's kind of, you know, feeling uneasy about it, but he's like, he knows what he's doing. What's the worst that could happen? So he's confused and is like, what about the party? But they go anyway. And, um, at a stoplight, Kenneth Ty is like, I hate red lights and gets the gun out and shoots and aims at the red light to try to shoot it out. And he misses, but it freaks Albert out so bad that he would shoot his weapon just out in public like that. Um, And Albert must be acting uptight or something because Ty says they need to take a shot of whiskey. So they go ahead and do that. And then they stop at a dump to get some cans out. And so, yeah, uh, they're going to do some target practice before the party. And as Albert is setting out the cans, he turns around and catches Ty aiming at him with the gun and doesn't like it at all. He's like, hey, man, what are you doing? Stop. And he says he's had enough. So he moves away from where the cans are being set up and he's trying to find Ty. And he's like, come on, let's just get out of here or whatever. And Albert goes ahead and heads to the car, not realizing that Ty didn't follow him and has now disappeared. Ty hides from Albert for a good while, and suddenly Albert feels really weird, like a chill. And he turns around, feeling like he's being watched. 
And he goes, Ty, is that you? And he sees a musket light up as a bullet hits his stomach. Oh, my God. So he has now been shot. And he can't tell where he was shot from. He kind of saw around where the bullet came from. But he has no idea where Ty is or if he's actively following him or hunting him down. So he tries to look for cover using his military background. So he's going to try to hide in the tree line and he's running and he's looking around and he falls to the ground at one point. And when he hits the ground, he sees a bullet bounce off the pavement nearby him. So Ty is actively still trying to shoot him. And this terrifies Albert and he's like scrambling to get back on the ground. He rolls over and starts running again for the tree line, trying not to be hit by any other bullets. So he's hiding from Ty in the trees and he kind of hides behind a tree and hears Ty moving around and looking for him. So he's just trying to stay as still as he can. He won't even open his eyes. His breathing is all crazy. He was worried because he didn't find an exit wound whenever he felt his shot where he was shot on his stomach. He can't find an exit wound through his back. So that means his bullet is still inside his stomach somewhere and that could be cause for infection. So he's kind of freaking out, but he knows that he needs to stay put because he is not armed and Kenneth Ty is actively hunting him from around the area. So before he makes it to his to the hiding spot he's trying to get to, he falls into a creek that's two feet deep. And he's screaming in pain because of, um, it feels good at first, he says, because he felt like he was getting um, a fever and felt very hot. But once he hits the water, it kind of wakes him up a little bit. But then he feels the pain in his stomach stronger than before. He realizes that Ty has gone to the car and is now driving up and down the road, jumping out to look around every few feet. Albert kept ducking and hiding when he would stop the car, and he felt weak, got on his knees, and he accepts that he is going to die as he sees the full moon above him. He was going in and out of consciousness and was running for an hour while still being hunted from the road by the dump. He's bleeding out and moaning from the pain, but he had a burst of energy. He makes it, it's that adrenaline, he makes Mm -hmm. it to a road with cars on the outskirts of town. So he, I guess he can still see the dump from where he's, he's run to and he can see Ty still driving up and down, but he is determined to get the attention of one of these drivers on this little road. He makes it to a vehicle and it appears that he scared them off once they realized he was covered in blood. And in the intersection, he sees down where Ty was driving, but hasn't been spotted yet. So nobody is stopping to help him. He was a mile away from the barracks. He started running in that direction, but he was in too much pain. He couldn't run anymore. One headlight is nearing, and he stands in the middle with his hands out. This was his final hope. The driver stops and jumps out. He had a gun. Oh, my God. And that is the moment I thought that Kenneth Ty, like, had caught a glimpse of what he was doing and, like, went up there to pretend like he was going to help him. Uh-huh. Like, a gotcha moment. Yeah. But thankfully, it was another guy, and he had been in the military, too. He was a military cop that just got off work, so that's why he was armed. Albert tells him what happened and points out where Ty was still hunting him. The officer reassures him that he would protect him and rushed him to the hospital with a near-fatal bullet wound in his stomach. 
Military police caught Ty an hour later still hunting out Albert by the dump. That is so chilling. He was still out there waiting. Mm-mm. After a nine-hour surgery and in the ICU for a week and a half, Albert makes it out okay, and the bullet had broken into seven pieces and shredded his small and large intestines. He received an honorable medical discharge from the Army. Kenneth Ty was convicted of assault with a dangerous weapon and sentenced to four years in prison. That is not... Oh, my God. Yeah, what the fuck? Four years? Like That feels like it's not long enough, but... Mm. Okay. And uh, Albert still has nightmares and has PTSD and can't sleep in bed with his wife. Uh, He believes the Lord agreed that he wasn't ready to die yet, but he's not really sure. Um, That's what he said, like that, you know, at the end, they're like, why do you think you survived? And that was his answer, but he doesn't really say. It kind of feels like he still is suffering a lot from what happened. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard to be thankful that you're still alive whenever you can't even sleep in bed with your family because he pushes her and stuff whenever they try to go to sleep. He's so scared. Yeah. So for her safety, they sleep separately, I'm assuming. I wonder if maybe now he's gone through enough therapy to where they can sleep in the same bed together, but that's Mm -hmm. still very heartbreaking. So that was Albert, and that is so disturbing that hours were passing and he didn't think that Albert got out. So he's like, well, he'll crawl out of here if he's still alive and I'll just shoot him, you know? Yeah. Instead he got arrested. So that's good. What a psychopath. Okay. So Matt, here's a little bit of a different kind of situation here. Matt is a hunter and a nature enthusiast. And in March of 2009, he's hiking in New Zealand with his dog in a remote area, and he misjudges a step, and it's snowy on some parts of this area, so he misjudges a step and ends up sliding over a cliff. He hits jagged rocks below, um, and he lands on his back, wakes up, and notices he's losing a lot of blood. He realizes that he has a huge gash on the back of his leg behind his thigh, and he said that it was two knuckles deep. Oh, my God. So he, like, stuck his whole hand in there pretty much. That's, like, yeah, that's pretty deep to figure it out. But, um, anyways, nasty. His dog has now made it down where he is, um, but she's keeping her distance, seeming to be frightened from the accident. And, um, he drags himself down the cliff to this creek where it looks like his backpack ended up. And he said that he was in a lot of pain trying to drag his body. He realized his wrist was broken and his left leg was broken. When he tried to stand up, it just buckled. And then when he tried to pick something up, his arm just, like, didn't work. So he was like, this is not good. Oh, my goodness. Um, So that's why he had to drag himself down to the cliff and get some of his safety stuff out of his backpack. He searches his backpack. He remembered there was a tracker beacon with a radio. He dug through his things over and over, but he didn't have the tracker. Oh, it's always the one day you freaking need it. You know, there's always that one thing at the bottom of your bag that you're like, just in case. And yeah, anyways, (laughs) it's like, okay, I know what's in there for sure. I've I've, uh, looked a million times. Well, it wasn't there. So that's heartbreaking. He had told his buddies to sound the alarm if he didn't come back in 10 days. And that was in another week. So he, they wouldn't know to, to go ask for help at this point. So he's really hoping that the infection doesn't take over before he gets uh, noticed by them that he's missing so that they can get him some help. 
He has a broken wrist and an ankle on top of the deep gash in his leg, but he hears hunters being flown in by helicopter, and he sets up his tent best he can for the night, and he and his dog hunkered down in below freezing temperatures. The dog kept him warm for that night, and he was thankful. He is uh, 6,000 feet above sea level and is due back in five days and does his best to stretch his food, mostly rice. He cooks every second day, saving muesli bars for emergencies and in this case which this is an emergency but he said if he had to like be on the go uh he would save them for that um he cut the dog's food in half rations to make sure he that she has enough as well and he is rubbing cooking salt into his wounds to fend off infection every day what the fuck he would take a rag and like make it damp in the creek and then rub the table salt onto it and then press it to his wound to prevent infection. Keep it sanitized. Oof. Painful. Um, at night, he would listen to the radio that he brought with him and every three days he would get weather updates. So that was very helpful for him. When he heard a storm was coming, he knew he had to try to get out of there. Thursday night, the storm was on its way, and by Friday morning, it was pouring rain, um, and he's right by the creek, so that would have um, overflowed and gotten him wet, etc., so he was pretty worried about it. He was due back on this day, but two more days passed, and no rescue had been sent, so he decides to try to get out on his own. He is down to his last bit of food, and he would need to get through thick brush for about a two-day's trip to a town nearby down the mountain. Um, I think it was about three miles away where there was a hut that he could ask for help um, from, but three miles with you know broken bones and stuff could take a few days. Um <laughs> So he taped his tent poles to make a cane so he could walk, and um, then he kind of hobbled. He had to try to position his weight to where he could hobble with his broken ankle, and um, yeah, down and downhill. Oh my gosh, I can't. Anyway, so he has these tent poles made out into a cane, and it took him a day to make it down the cliff, and then the 1,500 feet of dense vegetation to climb through. He can't see below the trees, so there were times when he would follow the little creeks and make it down and then find a waterfall, so he would have to climb back up to get down a different way. I would be... <laughs> you know how when you're, like, walking out when you're mad and, like, your the sleeve of your shirt catches to the doorknob? Yes. That's literally... It's just like, that's it. I'm done. That's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, or what else did I see? Oh, when you're putting on your ripped jeans and your foot goes through the hole of the leg instead of where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. Anyways, just frustrating. Uh, but this, of course, is on a whole nother scale. Um, so he would have to go up and down several times before he would like really make it out of there. Um, he is using branches, hooking his arm over them to make it down. And the last two meters are just about vertical. He finally reaches the valley floor, but the rain caused a rushing river. Ugh. And he has a dog, so it's like, oh, I'm worried about the dog too. Of course. Um, so he heads down river to find where he can swim across, which, oh my God, what the hell. But there was a waterfall, so he turns around. He hobbled three miles back up the river, um, and the bruising at this point is so bad from the broken bones, and his knees are damaged from trying to balance. Uh, the water is freezing, and he trudges through 
every muscle in pain. His dog is scared and runs up and down the bank, panicking as he's trying to cross the river. Um, she tries to get on his back, and so that causes a little bit of a struggle at first because he has broken bones and everything, but they end up making it across, and he knows that he has two miles left to go for the hiker hut. He sees boot prints, and he sees the hut, and a hunter is coming out, and his hope is fully restored. So as he's approaching the hunt, the hut, two hunters are camped in the hut and see Matt limping towards them. They assumed he twisted his ankle with the tent poles that he's trying to use as a cane, but um, once they see him up close, it's a whole nother story. Matt was determined to walk till he was fully rescued. They see the severity of his injuries and try to carry him, but he won't have it. They bring some baked beans and the dog eats, and she's grateful she'd gone without food for four days. It took one of the hunters a whole day to walk to get help. The next day, a helicopter arrives to take Matt to the hospital and with his dog, and um, his wrist was blown out. The top of his ankle is disintegrated. They used plates to rebuild his bones and his ankles and his wrist. In his ankle and his wrist, he is uh, he survived because he was prepared and willing to take whatever steps necessary to get out. That's what he said. Mm. Iconic. <laughs> okay some people are just stars like i would be like okay i mean this is fine i guess but he's like nah we're getting out of here so this is how it's gonna go um i would have just laid there and just been like well woe is me this is how it ends wrote a long poem they, they would have been like she took this long to write this poem when she could have already walked up the hill and been rescued dramatic Anyways, okay. Um, and now, oh my gosh, this story really is shocking. But this is in Virginia, and Christy is 14 when her life changed forever. Stacy is her older sister, two years older um, at that time. And Paul is two years older than Stacy, so an older friend of her older sister. He had been in and out of prison, but hung out around the girls anyway. I guess it was fine with their parents. Like, how are they going to know what would happen? Um, he had kind of like a bad boy reputation. He would play with knives, like in place of a fidget spinner or whatever. So one day when Christy got home from school, it felt normal and Paul was over and Stacy was starting her laundry. So Stacy tells Christy that she has work tonight. And when Christy realizes Paul is hanging around, she asked him to leave and was like, um, Stacy's at work. Cause Paul is Stacy's friend. So you would assume that Paul would leave whenever Stacy went to work, but he yeah, didn't. That's weird. He's, um, he's just kind of still hanging out and it weirds her out. She's 14. So she's like, okay, I'm going to call my mom. So she calls her mom and is like, Paul is still here. It's weirding me out. And she asks him to leave too. She's like, tell him to leave. So her mom tells Christy to tell Paul to leave. And so she does and he leaves. Um, the next day, Christy gets home from school around 3.15. And Paul, once again, is slinking around their house, creeping Christy out. So she walks to her room, um, probably to like close herself in there and try to hide out from him. But as she enters, she notices Stacy is laying in there and something isn't right. She looks a bit closer and notices blood pulling up around her sister. And it looks like she's been stabbed. Oh, no. 
She's laying there lifeless and Christy just freezes as soon as she realizes that her sister's dead and she's alone in the house with Paul. She starts sobbing and she used her reasoning and figured not to fight Paul because Stacy wouldn't have gone down without a fight and obviously he just killed Stacy. So she knows her way to get out of it is to not cause any problems and to try to just do what he says and reason with him. Just so awful to try to think of a strategy whenever you just realize your sister's dead. But yeah, so she she's with Paul and Christy wants to live. So she listens as Paul walks her down to the basement. She does not want to fight him on anything. The basement is half their parents' bedroom and half um, her dad, her stepdad's workshop and the laundry room. So he tells her to go into the laundry room area and get undressed. He tells her to lay on the ground and then she is, uh, she's then raped. And during this, there was a knock on the door and she, it catches her off guard at first. And she's like, oh my God, this could be like an opportunity. And he gets up and gets dressed. Then he ties her up and, and he ties her feet in front of her and her hands were tied behind her, um, behind her back. He used her shoelaces for this. He goes upstairs and she is shaking on the ground and crying. She was relieved because he stopped what he was doing to her, but she remembered that she knew who was at the door. She had invited her friend over. And so then fear takes over again as she thought something might happen to her friend who's at the door. She um, got on her hands. She got her hands in front of her and dragged herself toward the back door that was down there. But then she hears Paul on his way back since the knocking stopped before he got to the door. So nobody was at the door when he got there. He starts walking back down. And um, so she stops her escape route and or whatever and puts her um, hands back behind her back. Paul takes her glasses off and starts strangling her from behind oh at this point. So he's done messing around and he's just going to kill her is what it seems. And he had a string that he was pulling hard enough around her neck that her windpipe was being squeezed and she couldn't breathe or scream. So she got her hands free and got onto her stomach. And at this point, he puts his knee on her back to keep pulling. So he's really pulling at her neck. Um, she tried pulling the string, but she passes out. And I'm not sure if he thought she was dead at that point And this was just like extra measures. But when she's passed out on the ground, he then stabs her stomach and cuts her throat. She woke up on her back and couldn't feel her body. She felt fear and knew he was still there. She didn't want to risk screaming or anything. She was worried that he would finish what he started. Five minutes pass and she hears her stepdad arrive. He walks back and forth and then goes to check the mail. She hears him in the hallway and he finds Stacy so she can hear that uh, that horrible, shocking moment oh when he... He goes to Christy's room and sees Stacy's lifeless body. He, she doesn't know if Paul is still there, and he couldn't find the phone, so he was paging it. So she can hear her dad trying to find the phone to call 911. I guess they didn't have cell phones. They needed their landline phone to call 911 from the house. So she can hear when he's paging it because the phone is right next to her. Oh, my God. It's on the washing machine. So he's paging it over and over and it's on the washing machine. So she's like trying to stay quiet. So when he finds that, he finds her and she doesn't know if Paul is still in the house. 
So she stays quiet, still trying to play dead. She was waiting for him to find the phone. Finally, he hears it and he finds her. Paul had left the house, thankfully, by this point, and her dad, her stepdad calls 911. She was going into shock and paramedics arrive, wrap her up and take her. She was in the ICU for three days in an induced coma. Paul Powell was arrested the next day. When interviewed, Paul said his plan was to kill the whole family, steal her mom's truck, and go to South Carolina and kill someone who stole his clothes two years before. How random. What the fuck? Yeah, that's that's dumb. Um, so, But he got scared after he did Christy, so he left. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul was convicted of capital murder, abduction, and rape. He was executed by electrocution on March 18th um, in 2010, 11 years after taking Stacy's life. So he was on death row for 11 years, just oh about. Um, and he was actually executed for his crimes. Uh And I can tell she has somewhat of survivor's guilt in a way because when she she was asked why she survived, she thinks that she survived because um, she says, by the grace of God, he wanted her to live for a reason and she wants to find the reason. She mentioned how her sister had so many plans and died, but she didn't have any plans and survived. So I thought that was kind of yeah, that's... kind of like survivor's guilt. Like she said, my sister had her whole life planned out. She was 16 or 17 and I had no plans and here I am. It's mm-hmm. weird. Weird how it works out. That is so sad. Very sad. I can't imagine how – oh, I can't. I don't even know. Um, and she said she couldn't tell if Stacy was for sure dead when she got there, but I guess there wasn't much she could do anyway. Um, being that she was only 14, she had no weapon, uh, no cell phone or anything like that. And Paul was still in the house and he's older than Stacy was. So if she was 14, Paul was like 18, 18 or something like that. Yeah. said she was 14. Yeah. She was 14. Stacy was 16 and Paul was like 18 or 19. I think he was executed when he was like. I don't remember because when he was in prison still when he was like 22. So I guess we would have to do the math like 18 plus 11 years. And then that's when he was um, executed. Mm -mm. That is fucking insane. He had been in and out of prison. So I don't know. I guess it was kind of amplifying as he got older that he was like a psycho. Yeah. Very devastating stuff, very dark stuff. But all of these people survived, and um, maybe they have a whole new outlook on life. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But uh, I've always enjoyed watching uh, I Survived because it's just, it doesn't even seem real that these people could go through things like this and it just works out. Yeah. And even they themselves don't think it's going to work out, and it's it ends up being fine. Dude, that's weird that you say that, like, that, um, whenever someone's in a situation like that you think that they're that it's going to end terribly but last night i was watching this fucking video on reddit and the whole time i was thinking there's no way that this person is going to die mm. and then they fucking died like it was just it was like complete opposite dang like that mm. i just couldn't i just can't believe in real life i can't believe that somebody's 
gonna die you know what I mean like in most of the time in movies they get away before they die right and it's because like we do everything we can to try to prevent even you know even like a flat tire you know you check your air pressure this and that but we don't think about like okay but what if I am having to change my tire in the middle of the night by myself on the side of the road you and I you know (laughs) (laughs) it's like well I need to even further prepare for that and um Yep. That's I'm when having a, a machete. Yes. A oh, no. Here's the perfect time to bring up um, Megan because she oh. has everything in her car. And I I still – I'm always like, I need to do that. I need to do that. I still haven't done it. So <laughs> I would have perished long ago if my car <laughs> got stranded in the snow or something. But, yeah, literally a knife, some straws to filter out your water, some dry food, some extra clothes, extra shoes, extra water just in case – and forget it. Like if you like get stranded with your dog, like that guy did. People who go adventuring with their animals, like they are extra prepared just so that stuff doesn't happen. And if it does, they can handle it because they brought everything they need. Right. Ooh, scary. Mm-hmm. Well, those were intense. Pretty intense. And then there's me. Um, for instance, one of the activities that we did for. Thanksgiving was we took my parents to the gathering place. It's like a huge park. It's super cute. Um, a lot of people were probably like, where are y'all's kids? Because we're just hanging out in the playground because we thought it was so neat. But <laughs> they built this playground and it looks like pieces of art, like a huge elephant with like a slide as his t- like trunk. It was really cool. But we saw that there were a lot of bird scooters around and Hunter has always been interested in like messing with those. So we rode around and I was <laughs> going two miles an hour because I was too nervous to run into somebody and like, God forbid, embarrass myself or something. Break your other wrist. Break my other wrist. Exactly. There we go. That, to be honest, is not as high a priority as don't embarrass yourself oh is, which God. is weird that's weird to me but it's true so i was trying not to run into people and then there's just people like going on cliffs with their dogs like okay what the- i need to need to reevaluate what i think a risk is <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fucking funny <sighs> so yeah live your life you know but don't be impulsive you know, we all have those manic episodes where we're like, I'm going to go um, to Australia and like go by myself and it's going to be amazing. Remember that time? Like, we all have that. <laughs> I wanted to go uh, on a fucking cross country fucking road trip and like go camping by myself in the desert. Remember that? You know who does that? Tara. Tara, hit us up Damn. with some of that bravery. Yeah, dude. Cause but I she will it. take a buddy. She will take a buddy. It's mostly, like, if you sleep there, like, one night by yourself, okay, yeah, it's exhilarating, kind of thrilling because it's a dangerous situation to put yourself in as women. I mean, as that's what people think or whatever. Um, and now would be a good opportunity to talk about Gabby Petito. Rest in peace. That beautiful soul did not deserve what happened. We still don't even know what happened, and it's pissing me off. Yeah, that pisses um, me off. But yeah, we all want to do it. But, you know, within our, it's like, will I hesitate at the red light? If there's cars coming, should I take a right? No, probably shouldn't. Should I start taking a right? No, because I'm going to hesitate and I'll get myself hit. You just got to know yourself. Some people, they can trust that they'll be fine because they they know they can handle what's coming to them. But like mm-hmm. people like me, I'm just like, never mind. Where's my parents? So 
we just got to kind of know ourselves and prepare for what we think, you know, put an extra pad in your purse, even if you don't use pads, that kind of thing. Help somebody out. You never know. It could be used for a wound. Prepared, like trying to have all that shit in the car. I feel like that would give me even more anxiety because I'd be like, wait, did I bring it? Or like a manifestation of an accident. It's like, okay, let's see what you got. The universe is like, she's ready. Oh, my God. (laughs) She's ready for her quest. You know, and the universe does like to fuck with me that way. Yeah. Aw. Actually, now that you say that, (laughs) this this isn't like a life-threatening situation, but – Today, okay, well, um, you need to knock on something, Abby, because if you Oh, no, it, okay, knocking. Officially knocked. Um, so on, I took off Friday so that I could go adopt a puppy <gasps> in Midland. And uh, so I, I had it in my mind, I'm going to adopt this certain dog. Oh. And because they post them on Facebook. So I was like, I'm going to mm-hmm. adopt this specific dog and she's like a dachshund mix and she's 10 weeks old so today I went to Walmart and I bought her a little collar and some little chew things and I was like I don't know why I'm doing this like I was gonna do it on Friday after I got her but I was like fuck it I'm just gonna do it now well then when I got here earlier I'm, I looked at her picture on – or her the post of her picture on Facebook, and there's a fucking mm-hmm. rescue that, like, desperately wants her. Mm. And I'm like, motherfuckers, I will race you to that front door on Friday. Oh, like, God, yeah. I was Aww. like, this – I like – nothing uh, – I don't know. I just – oh, my God. I hope you get her. But I, I know exactly what you mean. Like over preparing almost feels like you're jinxing it yourself. Yes. I really hope though, it's like, like if the set in stone, if but then the it's rescue, not really- Yes, dude. Like I I I manifest that shit because I overthink it and I'm like, I'm gonna jinx myself and then I fucking jinx myself. Right. <sighs> right. I'm always telling Hunter, like, be careful, don't like act like it's set in stone because it'll get fucking swiped away really quick. Yes. But I don't know why. I've just always been taught that. Like, my grandma would tell my mom, and now my mom tells me, like, we can't be too happy about things. We can't be too excited about things. So I guess it's kind of – it's weird because I don't know when to be the appropriate amount of excited until it's, like, over. And it's like, well, now it's over, so I didn't even (laughs) – Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. The superstition. I I have to um, say – I have to like word it correctly. Everyone's like, like if I'm going to go do something with someone, they're like, I'm so excited. I cannot right. say that I'm excited because something is going to fuck up and it's not going to happen. You're absolutely right. But I and feel literally like ask because I didn't reply back. Like I'm excited too. Like I am. I, I just don't want to oh say the God. word. Yes. Thank you. Guys, if anyone else is like this, please reach out. Let us know. A lot of people don't even let, um superstition or luck or anything get in the way when they're announcing um big things like weddings and babies and i think that's so brave a and b scary at the same time no yeah whenever they announce babies i always hope that it's oh, like i pray far, yeah, further along please. yeah me too Mm-mm. so um yeah i've seen a lot of people recently like um 
do their whole like baby announcement thing. And they're like, we were going to wait for a few more weeks, but nothing. I don't think anything's going to happen. I'm like, oh my God, please don't let anything happen. Yes. Just for saying that. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, I've just always been that way. It's, it's tough. Um, I maybe like many of you, the last few days I've been emotionally recovering from the exhaustion that comes with, um, people pleasing but not only that this time I had a little bit of growth and I set a few boundaries in my own languages language and I also revealed a little bit of my trauma to my parents so that they could kind of see that I'm not just a normal you know what they might think it's all shiny and smiles and stuff I'm like you know what mom and dad sometimes I don't want to call you guys because I'm depressed and I don't want you to know why I'm depressed or what's going on. Yeah. I don't want you to worry about me. And they're just like, you know, go ahead and, and send us a text just so we know you're there. And, you know, if we if we can tell you're sad or whatever, we won't we won't press you about it. If that's just how it goes, we don't want you to avoid talking to us, in other words. And I was like, <laughs> this was so easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> why did I wait to say anything? Um, so I'm learning a lot from my brother, too, because he's he's been really honest with me whenever he's going through something. And I told them, you know, I need to try a little bit harder so that they don't just think I'm ignoring being them. annoying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just like, oh, ignoring you. I don't really care about you. It's in reality, it's just that I'm, you know, kind of maybe crying for no reason by myself. And I didn't want to have to explain yeah. why I'm crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I am just very, very thankful for this this whole year. A lot of us have had our, our tough times and everything, but I'm just, I'm starting to see that it's not so bad and I need to just be in the moment more so that I can appreciate it. And um, once again, thanks to the edibles, I almost like, I was like tearing up last night telling Hunter, like, this is the first time in a long time that I feel like my feet are on the ground and I'm like in my place, like of time. Like mm-hmm. I have nostalgia for the, for the moments when it used to feel that way for me. And it's, it's kind of coming back. So it's starting to feel like I'm in my own reality again, instead of that like, is this awesome. isn't really happening. I don't know why it's weird like that. Thank you. Thank you for that. I can, I've been able to hear in your voice since you moved to Oklahoma that you're, you sound a lot happier than you did in Colorado. Thank you. I think that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, not just because of, you know, minus the stress when, you know, I'll take what I can get when I'm having a good day, but just in general, like trying to control my own life and not let others do it for me, I guess. Yes. Is, and that's what my horoscope is telling me. So Ooh. here we go. <laughs> now is a big moment. And I'm just like, when is the moment coming? They're like, it's, it's in the next couple of months. And I'm like, what? where's my moment it's this whole moment i'm not realizing it's this whole thing every day is a new is a new moment so yes for now i will stay yeah i'm fucking scared because now it's all about kids or career in this time because the whole thing is time right like i'm not trying to go off on a tangent here but like time we cannot get it back and it's like annoying because i just want it to i'm always like trying to get it over with you know like okay this thing i gotta do I got to freaking do it. I hate doing it. It's let's get it over with. But now it's more like, let's make the best of it. Let, let's have a good time. If I'm going to take a break and, you know, smoke some weed just so that I'm in a better mood painting this damn room, then I'm going to do it. <laughs> but also I need to get serious about my, my big life career choices and whatnot. If I'm going to make a move, 
I got to take a shit or get off the pot, you know? Oh, my God. I haven't. I think you're the one who told me that. I did. And it's. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we will still someday share a cabin in New Mexico in the mountains. The Wait, yes, we what? I did not hear. Yes, we will. We will share an Airbnb cabin in the woods in New Mexico one day soon. Oh, my God. Don't make me cry. Like we used to always talk no, about it when we were working fucking. We were literally always working Black Fridays at the mall. And we were like daydreaming in between customers. Like, what do you want to do? <laughs> well, you know what? No one's really ever asked me that. And we just sit there all day and be like, Body all da. day, the whole shift. Yes, because that would help us. It would. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Upon reading other stories and scary stories on the internet, I am reminding you all to please give us something to read in February. Submit your stories to our DMs on Instagram and on Twitter because I am really hoping to have quite a variety of things that scare me. So share with your family and friends that we are doing this um, open contest and giveaway so that mid-February-ish we can get a winner picked out and... Read all of them. Yep. Yep. Guys, thank you for joining us today. Hopefully you are grateful to be alive. We're grateful to be alive. We're grateful to have you listening to this podcast still after all this time. Even when I cheat a little bit and just go off of an I Survived episode, um, we have more to share with you next week and the week after that. So please remember to join us every Friday for a new episode and tell your family and friends to give us a listen as well. It helps us out a lot when you put a review out on apple podcasts for us we love to read them we love to see them so please keep them coming and we really appreciate it thank you guys so much for listening okay love you bye (laughs) just kidding so did we give you the creeps oh god (laughs) (laughs) that was the bronchitis speaking yep we probably didn't but yeah we love you anyways goodbye Bye.